We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. That was one of the best opens I've ever heard on the station, yeah. ever. That was incredible. The best part might have been the impromptu Lou DiBiase <laughs> from Corey there. Um, <laughs> they didn't who, have it. His name's not in the computer yet. Right, right, not yet. Right. He's, now he's it is. not quite now graduated. Yes, in your esteemed voice, in, in, uh, yeah. which is perfect. Uh, who, what am I missing here? Who is the guy at the end saying, go Bills? That is uh, a gentleman online. Uh, he goes by the handle of Bootlegger. He's from Wales. Oh. And he's a, he's a, okay. very, uh, he's a very viral kind of dude. Uh, he's got a, a whole bunch of vibes. He roots for like this very lower tier Wexham. He, vo- he roots for Wexham. I know Wexham, yes. And a friend of ours got him on Cameo. Okay. To give the Bills a shout out, and the vibes have since then have been unstoppable. I, everyone, everyone's rooting for the Bills now. Wales. We had a caller from Australia that, last uh, that night. That Twitter account from is it Kazakhstan? Yeah, there. Well, there's there's that. We there's have MC Hammer. MC Hammer. David Wallace mm-hmm. from the Office. Dwight Schrute. Wait, David from Wallace. The office. David Wallace. Yeah, was tweeting about the Bills last week. All the stars are yeah. here. All the stars. <laughs> Two Office characters. Uh, MC Hammer. Yeah. Um. We, yeah. We got we got Wolf Blitzer. On CNN, like you, you got you got guys. Everyone's rooting for the Bills. Who who doesn't want to root for the Bills right now? Yeah. This is this is. It even looked like fan bases that weren't in the playoffs were also rooting for the Bills. It seemed like they were the consensus favorite in Go. the playoffs so far. You see those maps and like who's rooting for who, and you get a state that's not doesn't have a team in the playoffs yeah. anymore, and there's a good shot that the Bills are that team that they're rooting for. So we got so much to talk about today on Sports Talk Sunday. Joe DiBiase and Lou DiBiase. Less than 24 hours after the Bills' first playoff win since 1995. Their first playoff win since I was six months old and you weren't even alive. And that's how long it's been. So we don't really have much context to put into what what this feels (laughs) like. And it, it, it was a game that brought you to the edge of your seat. And I think that is what made it so interesting at the end. Because going in, it almost felt like it wasn't a formality because it's too strong. It's an 11-5 Colts team. It would be insulting to call it a formality. But that's how it felt. The Bills had ran through everybody they had played for a month and a half, Mm -hmm. including teams with great defenses like San Francisco and Pittsburgh and New England and Denver and Miami. Those are all good defenses the Bills had put up big points on. The Colts had the same thing, but what reason was there to think that they were going to be any different than those that came before? But when that game showed up, you saw, and I think what I saw, Phillip Rivers was a lot better than what I was giving him credit for going into that game. I did not think this version of Phillip Rivers could keep up with Josh Allen, could go toe-to-toe with Josh Allen. And I would say Rivers... A detriment, maybe, by the the Colts coaching staff. Rivers kept them in that game. They were not running the football well. They came into that game to run the football with Jonathan Taylor. Mm -hmm. He ended with 20 carries for 75 yards. That was not the reason they were in that game. Phillip Rivers was the reason they were in that game. And 
Like, credit to him. Like, I think he could still be in this league next year. Probably in that specific situation because he needs to be in a spot where he just doesn't get touched. Right. And that Colts offensive line is incredible. But basically, that's just my first thoughts of the game. We're going to take plenty of your calls at 803-0550. All your calls throughout the show today. Uh, We don't have any guests lined up. Just us and you. Um, until noon here today, we'll talk about who you want to play in the next round. I think that might be an almost unanimous answer, by the way. I think it is. Uh, but we also will go through who we don't want to play in the next round for the Bills. But before we get any of that, your first thoughts on that game yesterday, Bills, Colts, whatever you got. So I thought instantly the Colts did, like you said, play way better than – I mean, again, this is an 11-win football team, but – the Bills, again, the way they were rolling through everybody and they were totally matchup proof, I didn't expect it to be as close as it was. But again, as much as it was about the Colts and how well Phillip Rivers played, I did feel like the Bills were almost holding back and not playing down again because it's a really good football team. Like I respect that Colts roster a lot. Uh, even though I wasn't a big Phillip Rivers guy this year, he did play incredible yesterday. But it just felt like the Bills, it was more about the Bills than it was the Colts, that they were kind of not playing down to the competition, but. We're almost playing more of a conservative um, style of football. It, yeah. it reminded me more of the Bills from 2017 to 2019 than what the 2020 Bills that we've been used to, you know, on the football field this year. It, it, we've seen a, a team that just blows out everybody that throws the football 40 plus times a game. And yesterday, it really seemed like they were trying to establish the run way too much throughout the game, and it really had nothing to do with the passing game struggling. I know Stephon Diggs was banged up, uh, and, and Cole Beasley as well. They went in with some injuries, but it was me more about just the Bills. I was waiting for them to to hit that switch, and Josh Allen, it felt like all game, was clicking, but they just, I don't think he got enough opportunities until the end uh, to really, you know, win that football game, and so it, it made for a great ending, like if the Bills just walked through the Colts like they've been doing to other teams all year, it maybe wouldn't have been as memorable, so for that, right. you know, down the road, you're going to look back at this game, and it's going to be more fun, because you had to sweat it out, you know, in that final drive, and you know, the, the controversial uh, no call by the refs, saying that that wasn't a fumble when his knee, uh, Zach Pascal's knee was up so it made for an entertaining (laughs) uh, finish from a fan perspective but at the same time I think from you know between the two teams in the matchup it just even as close as it was and as good as the Colts played yesterday it still Mm -hmm. felt like the Bills are clearly the better team but they're just they're holding back a little bit and so I think that's one thing going into next week They've just got to put the pedal to the metal when it comes to at least on offense, like that passing game. Um, that was the biggest thing I think I took away from it was they won this game. It was close, but I think there's more meat left on the bones that they didn't grab. I agree. I think uh, what the Colts proved yesterday with, is that there was there's no pushover in this conference. Well, yeah, sure. The playoffs in general is just a different beast, too. Maybe Pittsburgh. But even like NFC, we thought that too. We'll maybe talk a little bit about the NFC today. Not much, because I do want to go mostly on the Bills today, obviously. Um, but we thought Washington was going to be a pushover, and they weren't. That game was close to right Especially to the very end. Especially without Alex Smith. <laughs> I, I was going to say, like, finish give, an eight-point game. Give them that is. I mean, that is the blueprint for a backup quarterback in football. He has to be able to run the ball to give you any shot, and that's the mm-hmm. Taylor Heineke's rushing was the only reason Washington was in that game last night. But they were in that game. And I think a lot of people consider Chicago also to be a bit of a pushover, given what they looked like from week six to eleven. Well, even I mean, the they Rams like the worst team. With, I mean, in the, the Rams had John Wolford yesterday before right. Golf came in. And the AFC, it's like you got the Colts. They they look good. Baltimore, Cleveland, yeah. uh, Tennessee has got Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. Kansas City and the Bills. Pittsburgh might be the closest thing you get to a pushover. And in they this were the team right that now. started eleven and zero in the conference too. So right, we'll talk <laughs> yeah. plenty about them. Uh, later today, and we want your calls at 803-0550. We'll go to them in just a second. Uh, but 
I, I do want to start and just get it out of the way. Because I was... Actually, before I, do, before I talk about the, the review process, the no call and the fumble, that game really reminded me of last year's Texans playoff game. In, in, in a bit of a different way, but the same, the same reaction that it brought you to the edge of your seat. Right, it was a very chaotic ending. Yeah, that Texans yeah. game last year, like I think not quite to the same level of the Jacksonville game. Which was oh we're just happy to be here man like the, yeah. uh, we're 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 on a guest. I'm pass. not gonna lie to you, I can't remember a single play from that game. I can remember <laughs> Peterman throwing the pick at the end of oh, losing sure, yeah. to Jalen Ramsey, but yeah, there's there's plays I can remember from that game. There's Kelvin Benjamin pushing off. Who is the, the one. tight end that scored the one touchdown for the Jaguar? I couldn't even uh, tell you. I don't even think James he's in the league anymore. O'Shaughnessy. Yeah, something weird like that. One of those guys. Yeah, it might yeah. not. That might actually not have been him, but. Um, yeah, that Jaguars game was just like, all right, we're on a guest pass. We're happy to be here. That was Tasker's language in the, the pump-up yeah. video for the playoffs or the AFC East Championship. But the Texans game was, all right, we're happy to be here. We do want to win it, but we don't also have this pressure that we need to win this game. You know? Like, if we yeah. show up today and we lose it, like, okay, we're still on the right track. They like, were in the middle of where they are now in right. 2017. Th- that year, last yeah. year, was still about, let's get back to the playoffs. Let's make sure Josh Allen takes a step. And then next year, we can worry about real winning. Mm-hmm. And they brought you, though, to the edge of their seat by getting out to a 16-point lead in the first half. And then how chaotic the end of the fourth quarter was, how chaotic overtime yeah. was in that game. I mean, you weren't just on the edge of your seat. You were standing up no one was sitting for that game but it started out the same way we're like you know I'm kind of laying back in my chair a little bit like it's fine if they lose this I'm not I want them to win right. it in a bad way but I'm not going to kill myself over yeah, it your second year quarterback and, in his first playoff start right yeah and then yesterday's game almost in a different way was all right like I'm sitting back in my chair like the Colts you know they're fine but the way this Bills team has looked they should they should win this game comfortably mm-hmm. and then even third quarter end of the third quarter right around the end of the third quarter they're up 10 points and I'm sitting back in my chair. I'm like, what is it? It's 2010 right now. It's 20 to 10. We got this. We They're, they're not going to outscore us by double digits the rest of the way. Josh Allen and the offense look like they're back clicking a little bit. Big touchdown to Stephon Diggs over the top of the defense. I mean, they look like they're back into, into form. They don't have this fuel position deterring them anymore like mm-hmm. it was in the first two quarters of the game. And we got this. But the same thing happened. The Colts brought you to the edge of your seat in that game yesterday, and to me, it brought the anxiety level through the roof. I guess, in a way, I'm happy it happened because it'll make that game memorable. Right. But you don't want to have to have that happen anymore. Like, going into a game, that's not how you would choose to have it happen. Yeah, as a two-seed, you would hope in your wild-card matchup you wouldn't have to, you know, scrape by like that. Yeah, a 13-3 two-seed. Yeah, so, but again, I don't think it's... Like, I don't see anything in that game that, like, is worth a trend to notice that's like, okay, that's going to happen again next week. I feel like it was mostly self-inflicted, and it was also, again, just the Colts played really well. I mean, Phillip Rivers, the ball placement yesterday was, I mean, incredible. Some of those throws, great coverage, there's just nothing you could do about it, and he was just putting them on a rope, but... I think the offense, again, it's not like, you know, you look at the numbers and it, it wasn't crazy run heavy where they ran the ball like 30 plus times, but mm-hmm. there was just too many instances on like second and one, third and one. They, they would run like the one drive that they ran three straight times. And it's, you have a quarterback that's an MVP finalist. Like, put the ball in his hands and let him win the game. And there was nothing about last year against Houston, Josh Allen was unraveling down the stretch. Like, you could tell how tense he was. The, the lateral play, the. 
the Hail Mary, the, the deep ball to, to Patrick right. DeMarco in double coverage. Yesterday, I was actually, despite not really getting a lot of opportunities throughout the majority of the game to throw the football, I actually thought Josh Allen was... He looked cool, calm, and collected the entire game. He wasn't forcing things. He was being aggressive, but he was being efficient with it. Last year, it was very hero ball, Jameis Winston, tunnel vision-esque, where it's like you can't get that guy out of his own head, and he's just forcing everything. Whereas yesterday, I mean, the accuracy was on. I mean, those sideline throws to Gabriel Davis were incredible. And, you know, you had the one fumble down the stretch. That looked like Houston Josh Allen last year. And so he had that one, one, that one oh-no moment. But for the most part... Even with Allen, that's why I'm not nervous about next week, even though they you know, barely mm-hmm. won this game, is that the quarterback still looked as good as he has all year long. So that's, that's why I'm comfortable is that I still saw the same Josh Allen in, from 2020 in that playoff game. 803-0550 is the phone number. We're going to take a bunch of calls today, so feel free to get in on the phone lines now. Uh, let's start with Mark in Tonawanda. Mark, you are on Sports Talk Sunday. Corey, you might have to bring that up for me. Um, Mark, you're on the air. What's up? Hey, guys, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I thought Allen had a great game. I'm hoping that this game was humbling for the team in the sense of I thought Dable kind of reverted back to the offense that we ran last year, and we kind of got away with what has made us awesome this year in throwing the football. Like these design runs for Allen, you know, it just felt like I was watching last year's Houston's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the offense that we ran against Houston last year. And... um yeah, I mean, that, that was my only concern. Uh, the defense, you know, couldn't get off the field on third down. But, I mean, look at the field position that we had yesterday and still come out on top. I sure. think it's a great win against a good Colts team. I mean, that defense was pretty good. I mean, as good as we've seen in, you know, the last six weeks. And, uh, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pumped for next week, um, you know, getting this win out of the way. McDermott's, you know, first playoff win, same with Allen. We can kind of go downhill from here, hopefully, but I'm going to hang up and listen. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, Mark, for the call. I think that's a good point that the field position battle, I mean, the Bills were having to start drives the whole first half at the, it, you know, below the 10 yard line. And some yeah. of that was bad decisions by Andre Roberts and the kickoff team. Some of it was just, you know, great plays by the Colts. And it, part, also part Bills, of it was the Colts punting right. from their, the, the Bills side and, of the and field. And part of it was the Bills holding that on that goal line stand, right? There's fourth and goal. The Colts yep. go for it. And, you know, Phil Rivers did have Michael Pittman, but he missed him. Uh, so there was a different reasons for the field position battle. But yeah, they overcame that too. And that's why I'm also optimistic is the offense still moved the ball. I mean, that. That two-minute drive, you know, at the end of the first mm-hmm. half, they go 98 yards down the field, and it felt like forever because the refs just they couldn't get a call right on the field. They had to keep reviewing everything, um, but they just drove right down the field, and that's the good thing is the offense still looked efficient to me, at least through the air and with your quarterback, despite your offensive coordinator, who's going to probably get a head coaching job in 2021, not having the sharpest day as a play caller. I thought the offense, I thought Allen specifically overcame that, and a lot of it was just his improv, his ability as a mobile quarterback to create outside of structure. But, you know, that's another thing, Joe, that I, I appreciated yesterday mm-hmm. actually watching that game was Josh Allen, watching Allen, watching Rivers, watching a lot of those quarterbacks throughout the playoffs yesterday, Goff, um, you know, Brady as well. It made me appreciate mobile quarterbacks too because, oh yeah, you know, you watch Allen and he can overcome that kind of, you know, if your play calling is just not on par and the defense is playing really well, 
you can have that kind of guy that can create for you. And, you know, you looked at you look at Rivers in that fourth and goal play. The Bills brought the house because they knew Rivers wouldn't be able to escape outside the pocket. If he didn't have the mobility of a dump truck, he could he might have got <laughs> outside to the left and Pittman's open in the left corner and he could have had a better chance to throw that football and hit him on the numbers. So that's another thing yesterday that I really appreciated was the style of quarterback that Allen is and, and what the Bills have as a weapon in that backfield at quarterback. You know, he also had fifty four rushing yards and a touchdown. That's such a huge advantage. That you can overcome a lot when you have that style of player. Because even Rivers, as good as he was yesterday, you know, he yeah. had to be that good in the passing game to keep up because he just, you know, he threw 46 times because they just don't have that element of the offense that the Bills do. The field position, by the way, to start that game, the Bills' first drive is from their own three, then the 15, then right. the 11, Brutal. then the six. And then the, their own four, all of those on their own side of the field, yeah. and they did have their two t- touchdown drives. One, w- the first one was eighty-five yards, and the second right. one was ninety-six yards. So right. they did have a couple of bad drives in there. The run, 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 punt drive. Yeah, on uh, that was bad. three plays, nine yards on your own six. I mean, what are you doing there? Three Zach Moss runs up the middle. And you got to against Buckner. a team, by the way. Yeah, right. That's their like, strength, the middle the, of their defense. Yeah, he's one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league, and you're running it right through the A-gap right in his mouth. Like, and, What are you doing? And Darius Leonard is – I think Darius Leonard might be the best middle linebacker yeah. in football. Yeah, doesn't get talked a lot uh, because he's an indie and he's a linebacker. And, but he, yeah. was, and he was a second-round pick, so he doesn't really right. get the, the yeah. draft status that we – he didn't come into the league mm-hmm. with the – the name power that some of these guys do. But see that, and that's again, that is a good team though, and it is. If this was Miami that they did this against, I'd be like, I don't know, because I, mean, I just didn't respect the Dolphins at all and what they were as a ten-win well, football they team. Miami clearly, would not have done this. right? But but that's what I'm saying is, if they would have really struggled against a, another team, maybe it was Miami or even Cleveland. I would have felt worse about it. But Indianapolis is a good roster. They're a really good defense. They're well coached they, by Frank Reich, and so they left points on the board. They yeah. left the, the field goal by Blankenship. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the three-point deficit right there that they lose by. Rivers barely. Fourth and goal. That, yeah. Yep. Barely they, missed him. The two punts that Frank Reich had on, on the Bills side of the field, which is very unlike Frank Reich, very by the unlike way. Him. He's one of the most uh, aggressive coaches in the league when yep. it comes to going forward on fourth down. But two times on the Bills side, fourth and short, mm-hmm. he's punting. All right. <laughs> I mean, that that maybe cost them as, as, as well. Uh, 803-0550 is the phone number. And, and by the way, like left points on the board. They ended up with almost 500 yards of total offense, mm-hmm. the Colts did. So the Bills' defense, like you might see oh, 24 points on the board and think, like, all right, they had an okay day. They they were getting the, – the ball was getting moved on them yeah. all day. Mm-hmm. And better offenses might come through the door and you would need right, a better right. performance. You're, you're playing that. a team like Kansas City. You're not going to be able to have that kind of performance. I mean, They're going to put more than 24. Right, and maybe if, even if the defense plays that bad, the offense, though – Again, it was efficient yesterday, but you're not going to be able to have that kind of inconsistent right. day when it comes to play calling, especially. Let's go to Ken and Tonawanda. You are on Sports Talk Sunday. What's up, Ken? Hey, guys. Thanks so much for taking my call. Uh, for me, it is about Tyler Bass. I have to say, in the beginning of the year, when he was struggling, I was not confident. In fact, I thought, in the playoffs, you need to make a kick to win. I did not think he would have that gumption in that moment. Talk about field position. If he misses that kick, you're giving Indy another short field. Uh, I can. I think it looked like Josh Allen wanted to go for it. I think it was a fourth and six at that. He point. did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If he misses that kick, that you know, talk about the uh, the kick that Blankenship missed. This is the one that was the differential on the scoreboard for us. I think if he misses that, another short field, and I think you've got real problems. Uh, for that picker in a rookie first playoff game, 
with fans in the stand. Granted, they were only 6,000. Uh, that's a pressure kick, and it's 54. And yeah. I think for me, uh, major respect for him. He have changed the, everything. Yeah, th- thanks for the call, Ken. He has been, he's been a real gem of a find this year. Mm-hmm. And I was worried they wouldn't go to him. I, I, I thought they would keep Hauschka. And last year, I was going through this a lot with fans on Hauschka that his field goal percentage was not nearly high enough to warrant having a kicker that can't kick more than 55 yards or can't even attempt to kick, I should say, past 55 yards. You needed a guy with a bigger leg. And Bass gives you that. That kick yesterday from 54, it's good. That kick's going to be good from 60. It wasn't just kicking, though. Do you see the hit on the one kickoff? He almost saved the touchdown. Yeah, right. <laughs> Lowers the boom. He's like lowering he lowered the shoulder his shoulders. He went Did you see the video, him? by the nice way, hit. of him celebrating after his uh, after yeah, his field yeah, goal? He he's pumped. got like the arms. He's doing like yeah. the LeBron celebration. Yeah. And then there's Devin Singletary, Stephon Diggs, and John Brown on the bench doing the, the synchronized, the golf, synchronized clap. golf clap. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty great. Bass has not missed a field goal since week nine. Yeah, he's on fire. And a lot of them are from long distance. And we knew yeah. that's what coming in, though. I remember we, me and you were doing the draft show together on GR and – I think like the day before the draft, he was talking about how he was hitting like seventy yarders, mm-hmm. you know, warming up. So he's they got win. the big leg, but he was laying the boom yesterday too. I loved seeing that. That I, was fun. I might hazard to say that the the Wyatt Teller trade, that's 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 a good one. Why was that the pick? Wyatt Teller for a fifth, which I don't but know off the top of my head recall what it right, was. No, and no, no, a sixth no. Wyatt Tyler Teller Bass. is one of the best offensive linemen in the yeah, league though, right now. Guard kicker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, interesting. All right, let's go to Eddie in Lancaster. Eddie, you are on Sports Talk Sunday. What's up? Hey, good morning, guys. Morning. How are you? Oh, couldn't be better. Are you kidding me? First game of a six-game run on the weekend, and if you lose it, you don't want to watch a single game. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's right. Yeah, that's true. Enough. So, yeah, I, I unfortunately, you know, hey, listen, great game. I'm with you guys. Um, it seems like a lot of the progr- uh, prognosticators, including uh, the best on your channel, really did nail a lot of this. We knew, well, we were told that this team was solid player-wise, the Colts, from defense to offense. Uh, we knew Phillip Rivers could be electric hot or flobbly old, and we got the electric hot. But what I upset me the most was not the players. I thought the players did everything the coaches were asking them to do and more. And yet you could see when the Bills put pressure on any quarterback, it's not usually their front four, although they'll get a little bit of pressure. It's usually when we sneak in one of our DVs or one of our safeties and there's a gap. Well, it happened once or twice that was successful, and the Colts shut it down. And you got a quarterback who is not able to move at all, and you are up 14 points in the fourth quarter, and the only way for that team to come back is to have two successful touchdown drives in under three minutes apiece, and they did that. And I was very upset that after the first one, they didn't say, okay, if they do score, it's going to take them more than two minutes. We're going we're gonna to not let – how were these guys so wide open when we weren't blitzing the quarterback? I didn't see from above. Did you guys get to see, like, what schemes they were running to get these guys so wide open? I know Rivers was nailing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when we had guys covered, he was dropping them in the basket. But there were so many others yeah. were like, oh, we're not, we're not in cover? But why wouldn't we be in cover? We don't even care if they run. I mean, I, I noticed they played a lot of soft zone coverage throughout the majority of the game. Yep. So there were a lot of holes that Phillip Rivers was finding, and he was kind of just taking what the Bills were giving him. That's the thing with those Colts, you know, drives. It wasn't like they were getting explosive plays, but it wasn't, 
you know, in the way the Bills were, where they were getting these 30, 40 yard chunk plays, it was they were methodically driving down the field and Rivers was just taking the the holes in the zone, you know, underneath that he could get. That's what he was taking. So that's what I noticed. And I thought they tightened up a little bit more when they played more man coverage. But for the majority of the game, the Bills were, I think, playing pretty. Z- I mean, that's what I saw, at least. And, yeah. you know, that's just initially on the game broadcast. So, you know, take that with you know a grain of salt. But that's what I noticed, at least. And, you know, Rivers is the kind of quarterback that. You know, there's some guys that are going to force things, and they're you know, and that's why you play that kind of style. But Rivers is going to kind of take what you're going to give him. So, and he did it in a very efficient way yesterday. The only play I'm still confused on and what the Bills were running is the Jack Doyle touchdown, where he is wide open in yeah. the fourth quarter. And I'm watching, you know, like the the little dot graphic that dots graphic that NFL mm-hmm. Next Gen Stats puts out. It looks like to me, I, I don't, I can't tell if it's, I think it's zone. But Milano is just doing a strange thing where he's covering the deep third on the left side of the field. And that's never a spot that you have the linebacker running over to to cover. Um, But Tredavious White is following Michael Pittman. I, I, I don't know. It's maybe a miscommunication. Maybe White is playing man, and Milano thinks that they're playing zone. And their tight and ends that's were what's leaving Doyle open. Their tight ends were killing the Bills' defense they're, all game, too. Right. So that wasn't even – I mean, that was one instance of a lot. I mean, you look at Doyle had 7 for 70 and a touchdown. Uh, Trey Burton, 3 for 34. Mo Alley-Cox, 4 for 32. So their, their combined three tight ends – uh, had over 100 receiving yards, 130 on the dot, actually, or 106, yep. so on 13 catches. So the Bills really did struggle against tight ends yesterday. They are one of the, they that offense, and that's why if I'm Phillip Rivers, I'm either retiring or I'm going back to Indianapolis. If they want to go try Carson Wentz on, I was gonna say, yeah. or they want to go try on you know, him. Right, Cam Newton, if they want to do something else, then I'm if I'm Phillip Rivers, I'm retiring. Um, but would, would you rather have Cam Newton or Philip Rivers? No, no, I'm just throwing a name oh, okay, in there. If, right. if I'm Philip Rivers yeah, and they I replace you, me, gotcha. I'm not going anywhere else to a new situation. But that team is built perfect for a guy that literally cannot move because the offensive line gives him as much time to throw as anybody else in the league is going to give you. And if you do get pressure on you, that team actually has some good. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Physical weapons that allow you to throw into contested coverage. We saw that yesterday. Michael Pittman's a lot better than I thought. Oh, yeah. I did not really like him coming out of USC last year. But He's quicker he, than I thought. Yeah. He's I, big. I, I think I grouped him in too much with the plotting possession, bigger receivers, but yep. they were using him in reverse plays yesterday. I mean, he run after the catch ability. He's got that yeah. for sure. But but if I'm Rivers, like there's the one play, I think it's a third down and five, if I recall correctly, and the Bills bring pressure, and Rivers needs to get rid of the ball, and he basically just throws up. It's like a rebound in basketball, yeah. and Jack Doyle versus Tredavious White, just, just one-on-one. On one. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, Jack Doyle's a big, hulking tight end. Like, that's a tough matchup. Tredavious White did everything he could on that play, but that is the type of weapon core that you that Phillip Rivers needs, I think, to be successful. You need to have an offensive line mm-hmm. that can give you time to throw it. If there, you don't have time to throw it, you have big-body receivers and tight ends where you could throw it into contested coverage, and you have a pass-catching running back in Naheem Hines who is basically your out, considering Rivers can't run. Um, that's basically Allen's, Allen's go-to when there's pressure is getting out of the pocket and then running if he has to. Rivers doesn't have that, so his out is throwing it to Naheem Hines. And he's a good player, too. He was better yesterday than Jonathan Taylor. 
Jonathan Taylor ends the game 21 carries for 78 yards. Naheem Hines was six carries for 75 yards, including a couple of big ones in the Mm -hmm. fourth quarter. So the Bills got a little lucky even maybe with what Indianapolis was doing personnel-wise because Hines was not even in that game until the fourth quarter. Yeah, they were running Jonathan Taylor like crazy in that game. A couple of drops. 21 carries, and Hines only had six. Yeah. Heinz total only had seven touches yesterday, so. Right. 803-0550 is the phone number. If you're on hold, stay there. We'll get to you right after the break. Sports Talk Sunday, Joe DiBiase and Lou DiBiase recapping Bill's Colts. And at some point here, we'll get into who we want to play next and who we don't want to play next. That's all coming up here on WGR. Welcome back to Sports Talk Sunday, a special playoff victory edition of Sports Talk Sunday. Joe and Lou DiBiase here on WGR going till noon. Um, And you know what? This is one of the best days to be Bills fans I've experienced before. Easily. I think... um, Wait, is this more exciting to you? Does does this feel bigger than when they ended the drought? No, because I think those in your lifetime are the two big milestones. No, that was that was that, that was bigger. It was it was in such dramatic fashion. I think. Yeah, it has to I guess. Be yeah, that's fair. There's also more to come. I think this is this right, feels like sure. 05, 06. the wild card win. This feels like the Sabers when the Sabers beat the Flyers and moved on mm-hmm. to face Ottawa. This is what it felt like. When like I think, oh, I think we're the good, and there's more. Right. Yeah. yeah I think we and the expectations to, keep rising. Sure. With it. Yeah. I think we expected to win this game. So. But but I think like, if, you get, if you get once we get deeper into the playoffs, so I think you'll be your mind will change a little yes. bit. Yes, today today is almost relief that we got sure. past the yeah. Colts, and let's now start to think about what's coming and also what to fix from yesterday's game because there were holes there. I mean, the commitment to the run game yeah. was something we had not seen from them in a while, and it did not go well. Mm-mm. And now Zach Moss is out, and I wonder how much that changes things. Devin Singletary looked good on the couple of rushes that he got. Um, you've got TJ Yeldon and Tony Williams, who have both looked good in their limited action this season. So we'll see what they look like at running back when it comes to their next game. But again, I don't really know if I care what they look like at running back when they come back for their next game because they should not be running the football no. like they did, even with Josh Allen. And I am not a proponent of running the ball with Josh Allen, but doing it as much as they did. I mean, with the power sweeps, you know, there there were, oh, there yeah, were some read like design stuff, yeah. Yeah. That's not something we had seen since the beginning of the season, and that's fine. I like to throw that in, but to do it as much as they did, it should be a complement to what you're doing, not basically the focus of your offensive game plan. Well, especially, again, like we said earlier, Allen was on yesterday. They're, they're showing the highlights on ESPN, and... Some of those throws, I mean, when he was rolling to his right, those sideline throws to Gabriel Davis and the the deep balls, the, the two deep ones to Stephon Diggs across the middle of the field and then the uh, the touchdown on the right side of the sidelines, I mean, he was on fire. The Accuracy-wise, I mean, he was efficient throwing the ball deep. By the way, I've never seen a quarterback improve as much as Allen has Nobody down has. the field. I mean, he was literally the worst. Maybe I think the, he the was least last. efficient he yeah, was deep ball thrower last year and this year he's he's literally doubled his completion percentage down the field 20 plus yard throw so that's the other thing is you didn't even need to run the football like they were moving the ball with Allen with the ball in his hands so that's that's the part that was confusing to me was they were 
again, I don't know, just playing too conservative, almost they were playing kind of scared, and for a team that's been dominating and rolling through everybody, that was kind of getting a little frustrating. So that's something next week you definitely need to uh, a change because you didn't need to do that. And especially now with Zach Moss down, start get back to where you were, you know, nine carries that's that's what I like Allen throwing 40 plus times that's it's been a recipe for success I mean why change it if it's not broke don't fix it he had the largest statistical improvement in deep ball accuracy from one year to the next in NFL history and and Stephon Diggs has a lot to do with it of course Stephon Diggs last year was the best deep ball receiver um per DVOA but but they're it's not, not all just Stephon Allen. Diggs. Yeah, right. A lot of it was to Gabriel Davis and John Brown. John yeah. Brown as well. Gabriel Davis, by the way, yesterday. Well, those sideline grabs were incredible. I want to talk more about him because <laughs> he. He's your fourth receiver right now. I mean, I think he is their long-term number two wide receiver. But we'll we'll have more time mm-hmm. for long-term discussions like that. Yeah. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number. If you got a thought on yesterday's game, the coaching decisions, the offensive game plan. That brutal review process that we saw on the last drive. I'm not sure we've even gone through that really enough yet. And then also we'll get to, and you can, uh, if you want to get on this early, who you want to play, who you don't want to play in the next round, in the divisional round of the playoffs. Let's go to Kevin in Virginia. You're first up in this segment. What's up, Kevin? Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Pretty good. Thanks, man. I wanted to make a, wanted to make a couple points. Uh, first, Brandon Bean. Can't say enough about his ability to evaluate talent. Uh, think about the playoffs and how it comes down to one or two plays. Well, Gabriel Davis on two consecutive toe drag swag plays, unbelievable, makes those catches and keeps the drive alive. Great catch great on both occasions. Tyler Bass, if he doesn't make that kick, Rivers has a short porch, and they probably score. So that is so clutch. And to have two rookies step up in that situation uh, is unbelievable. Also, I just wanted to make a point. Think about how – the Bills' offense, being as high-octane as it is, impacts the game without even being on the field. Do you think Frank Reich would even go for that seven point and not take three if they weren't playing the Bills? It's just amazing to see how it is to be on the opposite side of that coin when we haven't been for such a long time. I uh, just want to leave you with yeah. that thought, and I'd rather play the Steelers than anyone else. We're going to hand it to them again next week. Go Bills Mafia! All right. Thanks for the call, Kevin. That's a way to end it right there. Pittsburgh. That's that's the easy answer. Also, yeah, I think Pittsburgh. So. Um, he got me so fired up at the end there. I've kind of forgot what I, he said. I right do agree that. with what he talked about. How the, the decision to go for it on fourth and goal for the Colts. Um, it was a yes. three point game at that part at that point. So if the if the Colts hit the field goal, they're they're still up six. You know the Bills have to score a touchdown. But that it is true. It is a testament to how good this Bills offense is that Frank Reich's like, no, we need to go up by two possessions now. If it, this is the Bills in 2017 with Tyrod Taylor and Kelvin Benjamin. You know, the Colts might be more prone to say, we'll take the three and we'll go up by six because we don't care. We don't really, we're not fearing the Bills' offense to score touchdowns consistently in this game. But he's right. And that's the one thing, too, I took away from the game yesterday is, again, things weren't all clicking on offense. And yet it didn't matter, though, because all it takes with this Bills' offense is one big deep ball to Stephon Diggs to totally change it up. And they have that ability at any moment to hit that mm-hmm. big play, whereas with the Colts yesterday, it took so much efficiency from Phillip Rivers and the entire offense because they don't have that other gear. They don't have that threat that the Bills have on offense. And that was, a, again, the thing that I really appreciated about what the Bills have built with Josh Allen and this offense is even in games like yesterday where you're not your sharpest, you can still produce through the air because you have the weapons, you have the personnel that just it come scheme, whatever, it doesn't matter. 
talent execution. Like we're just better than you on on this side of the ball, and so mm-hmm. we're going to move the football. And that's what you saw yesterday. Kind of strange that there was like no pre-snap motion yesterday. Mm-hmm. The Bills are one of the leading teams in the league at using pre-snap motion. Yeah, and I didn't notice them do almost any of that yesterday. So do you think it was he, a different type of offensive game yeah. plan? I'm reading now, like yards per pass. One of my favorite follows on Twitter is tweeting about how the Bills quarterback runs yesterday were bringing an extra Colt defender into the box. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's, ideally, you think you're trying to do that to open up the pass game, to try to get Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and John Brown having one less defender in the defensive backfield Mm -hmm. to be able to create space. Um, But it was was a different game plan. It looked like a different game plan all around than what they had been using. I wonder how much of it was the injuries to... Beasley, even Brown and Diggs. And you know what? Even though I keep saying like they've played great defenses, Indianapolis, I think, might be the best defense in the league. And especially well, up the middle. Up the middle, DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard, yeah. I think that's the best combo in football. Yeah. The interior, they were missing the, the guys. first and second level right in the middle is yeah. is brutal. They but, don't necessarily have that elite number one yeah. shutdown corner. They were missing Rocky Sin, by the way, one of their starting corners yesterday. Yeah. So they're not... You know, they don't have elite players all over that side of the football, but in terms of total defense, they were right up there all season. So. Yeah, I hope that this the play calling more had to do with, you know, not wanting to force too much with Diggs and Beasley and trying to get by without having to utilize them as much. But at the same time, I mean, Diggs had, you know, what, six, seven catches? He only had on one in the first and, half, though. Right. They had to make adjustments but at halftime. He for did that. make two huge plays in that game. And so, yep. but I, I hope that that was more of the reason for the conservative play calling. And it's not just that they're kind of regressing back into what they were as an offense the last three years. I think that will be the case that it was more about the health of the team, but you know we'll have to see. Let's go to Bob in Syracuse. Bob, you're on Sports Talk Sunday. What's up, Bob? Well, I wanted to throw out what I was just going to uh, talk to you guys about, and um, I have to tell you, what I saw, I mean, it was a very stressful game to watch. There's no question about it. Oh, yeah. That play call was the most egregious, a, a call I've ever seen in any NFL game after they, they you know, after the, the replay um, rules have come down. That was ridiculous. It, was, it wasn't even close. And the only thing I could think of, and you could call me a negative Nelly or conspiracy theory, they were trying to keep that game alive. That's the only, only explanation I will accept. I think, Bob, thanks for the call. I'm glad you brought this play up because I don't think we've touched on it enough because I was, I was heated about it. Yeah. I thought the whole thing was an awful job by uh, NFL every, officials. Everything about it. An awful job yeah. from New York, from the field. Like Tasker's rant yesterday, like he was heated and he was in the moment and mm-hmm. he was emotional, but he was right the whole way through. Yeah. New York not getting that play stopped. And having to have Sean McDermott do it with a timeout in his pocket because now... Barely got it off, by the way. He had to sprint down over to the ref. And I know after the fact, the referees say, well, we were calling for the replay anyway, so McDermott gets his timeout back. They were not. Right. When Rivers was if about McDermott to snap that McDermott does not football. call that timeout, yeah. are they going to review no. that play? No, there was a split second. The minute McDermott hit that timeout on his hands, Rivers was snapping the football. And the whistle they were actually, not getting off. The whistle comes about a second or two after the fact. Like the whistle goes yeah. as the 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 pass is being caught. Mm-hmm. So, ugh. but that's not even the worst part. Is first off, it wouldn't have even been reviewed if it wasn't for Sean McDermott. So it had to be up to the Bills to make sure that they hit that timeout, and got enough time for the booth to review it. But then, again, the fact that they didn't overturn that, I think you tweeted it out yesterday, What it just 
it what's wasn't... the point of replay? If you have all those camera angles, and it's so clear to everybody watching that Pascal's knee is back up before there's contact, and for refs to see that and have access to every one of these angles and still make the call and... on the field, it to me says... I don't, I don't know about the conspiracy part and trying to keep the game close, but what it could tell me is the refs, I don't know if it's more just about sticking with the call on the field and what we call well, Al, and, and Al not Al having Riveron. replay review be what you know dictates us. It's our eyes, and if we keep doing this and set a precedent of keep reviewing big plays like this, then But I think that this, I don't is, know. this is Al Riveron making the decision after the replay process begins. I, I, I think, yeah, that's, I think yeah, that's sure. right. But whoever is making that call, and I'm pretty sure it's Al Riveron in that situation, it is a coward's way out because the language is that if there's no clear and obvious visual evidence to overturn overturn a ruling, mm-hmm. then the play stands. And I am completely okay with the principle that that language says. But yeah. the officials, Al Riveron, they took that and they applied it to, well, if it's super close... We're going to go with the call on the field. That's not what the rule is. It is not. If the play is frame by frame, one frame, you know, it's illegal, and but he's not yet touching. This next frame is the first one we see him touching, but the knee is up. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? That is as close as it gets, but it can also be clear and obvious at the same time. Oh, no, that word. That reminds me of the pass interference penalties last year. And same to issue. me, the <laughs> officials... Making the decision, decided that close, super close, was going to let the play stand. Not clear and obvious, like the rule says. And I guess even that I would entertain when it comes to like the Gabriel Davis sideline catches. Like there was just, I couldn't find enough evidence. It, it might have been. You could have maybe made the case that you see the toe a little bit on the white sideline, but there. In that case, I'm like, okay, the call on the field was a catch, but. The problem is is that that to me was clear and obvious and I don't think it was super close. I thought it was very obvious that his knee was in the air. There was a perfect screenshot of Pascal's knee clearly on the ground. It, Matt it's Barkley, he is of all up. people actually tweeted it. Right. Out. Yeah. So that's my thing is if it was like so close where you can see maybe a piece of the pants are on the ground and Micah Hyde's got his hand on him but nobody was touching him yet and the leg was ob- you could see the space in between the knee and the turf. And so that's my issue is it wasn't so close that you're like we have no angle that's showing us that this that he was up. Then I, I could understand like the Gabriel Davis catches you couldn't tell to me at all. So you go with what's on the field but that to me, was clear and obvious. So it's just everything about it. And in all of this, again, we wouldn't even be talking about all this debauchery of the review itself if, again, Sean McDermott didn't take matters into his own hands. The Bills could have been, I mean, thankfully, the Colts didn't take advantage of what they were given, a gift by the refs, but that could have changed the whole, I mean, who knows? That could have at least forced overtime. So I, the, the last refs thing, got too involved. Last thing on this. The last thing on this is NFL officiating after the fact, comes out and basically says the exact same thing that they said when they reviewed it. That the ruling on the field was the runner was down by contact. This is like their statement on it. That there was there was no clear and obvious visual evidence to overturn the ruling, so it stands. It's all they said. And you know what? It's one thing to back your officials, but it's another thing to hold them accountable. Right. And to hold them accountable to the millions watching. Because the players do get held accountable. If a rookie running back fumbles the ball in a game, he gets benched. And that is something that other sports do with their officials. The NBA, the most progressive league, sports league in North America, mm-hmm. they come out after games 
It's their called their their final two minute report. They come out after games and they essentially break down their officials' performances so that they are showing everybody that hey, this guy messed it up and we're holding him accountable. We know that he messed it up. We're not going to hide behind that fact. The NFL is hiding behind the fact that they screwed that up, and they, unlike the NBA, will not say that they that they did. 803-0550 is the phone number. We will, if you're hanging on hold, stay there. We'll get to you right in the next segment. Sports Talk Sunday, Joe and Lou DiBiase here on WGR. Welcome back. Sports Talk Sunday, special victory playoff edition of Sports Talk Sunday. Joe and Lou DiBiase, bit of a brief segment here, but we're going to try to get a couple of calls in first before we hit the top of the hour. We have one more hour to go. We'll take you to noon, and then uh, we'll get you some football here today on the station. Um, A couple of good games, including two AFC games that matter to who the Bills play next. We'll mm-hmm. spend a lo- we'll spend a good chunk of next hour on what's next for the Bills and who we are rooting for today cuz who do we want to see and who do we not want to see with them in the divisional round. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Mike in Ithaca. You are on Sports Talk Sunday. What's up Mike? Hi guys. Thanks for taking my call. I really appreciate you. Uh Joe, I couldn't agree more about the accountability with the refs. I've been saying that and I, re- I love all the guys on WGR, but I really do think you are underrated. So I just want oh, to all right. let you know. I do, Thanks, I, I do appreciate it. A um, couple things. I had, a, I had a thought this morning. How cool is it that not only did the Bills obviously win their first playoff game, but you got Alex Van Pelt calling plays today. You had uh, uh, Frank Wright coaching. A lot of the old regime, tip of the cap to them um, in these playoffs. But um, – I, I wanted to ask you guys, I don't want to get ahead, but something's yep. been on my mind uh, is that, you know, let's say it's, it's pretty inevitable at this point that we're probably going to lose Dable. How much does an offensive coordinator, um, like how detrimental is it? Is, are we going to take a giant, I mean, it also depends on who they, they would replace him with. Sure. Is it a giant step back uh, with this? Because this offense has been electric. If we lose him, how much does that, affect the offense as a whole thanks for the call mike uh, and and you know what it is it is newsworthy because dable is interviewing with the chargers and the jets today and he is the betting favorite for both of those jobs he's only gonna get one but he's going to get a job i think he's going to be the charger head coach that's my my, my guess is he's going to be the charger head coach yep. he's got the saint franny's connection with tom telesco their general manager and of all the jobs right now which quarterback do you want to work with the most? I mean, I, you could argue, of course, Deshaun Watson, right. but his future right now in Houston seems tenuous. And not to mention so we'll the see. situation outside of Watson right. is brutal. Herbert is 21 years old and, and just had yeah. the best rookie season we've maybe ever seen. So if I'm Brian Dable, I'm jumping to I'm jumping to L.A. I'm going to the Chargers. So that will leave probably a, two two names keep coming up. Ken Dorsey. Quarterback coach for the Bills, former mm-hmm. University of Miami quarterback and NFL quarterback. And then also you'll hear Chad Hall mentioned as well, the Bills wide receiver coach, as the potential replacement to be their offensive coordinator. I don't. You, there's no way of telling what they'll be like as play callers. Like, no way. Especially me. Like, there's no way I can guess how good of play callers are going to be. The only thing yeah. I can point to is Dable has done an incredible job with the play calling this season especially. 
even though yesterday was didn't seem to be super great. So there's a lot to live up there. And I think there is an, a big possibility that they take a step back on offense because he's not there. And that, honestly, yeah. might be something I want to see from Josh Allen. How does he look without Brian Dable before sure. I give him a monster contract? I think he's going to get it. And then the last thing I'll say on this is don't just assume that the Bills will get it right at offensive coordinator because mm-hmm. – Sean McDermott is only one for two in that position right now. They hired Rick Dennison, and that was yeah, the most blah offense I've ever seen in my life. It is why it's nice to have a – I mean, not that, again, you. I'm not. I'm questioning Sean McDermott as the head coach, but it, it is why a lot of NFL teams, their head coach is the offensive mind. He is the play caller because when you have a guy like Dable, um, Dable that's your OC, he's, and you have this kind of success, NFL teams, that's what they want now as a head coach. So – Hopefully right. now Allen's just this good that it's not going to matter anymore. But I'll tell you what, I mean, he has been, you know, Josh Allen's step up this year is a huge part because of uh, Dable and what he has done. I mean, you can just tell the strengths of Allen are so clear and obvious, and he really maximizes that. So it'll be interesting to see, yeah, yep. if he gets head coaching job, what happens with Allen. Mike, thanks for the call. Marty, Connor, Rick, and Gary, hang on hold. We're going to get to you right at the top of the hour. Sports Talk Sunday, Joe and Lou DiBiase. Another hour to go here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.